Welcome to the new RPS Pharmacine podcast, where we interview interesting people from the world of pharmacy and beyond. And we want to hear from you. Head to the RPS Twitter and hashtag RPS Pharmacine to have your say on who we should invite to the show and what you would like to ask our guests. Now, please welcome your hosts. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to our Pharmacine Christmas special. I'm Catherine Walker, Museum Officer at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. And this week, we have a very, very special Christmas Pharmacine podcast for you. Looking through the RPS archives, we recently discovered a unique resource connected to Fanny Elizabeth Potter, who was the first woman to qualify for registration with the Pharmaceutical Society after the Pharmacy Act of 1868. As well as being a pioneering pharmacist, Fanny, it seems, was also an early adopter of new technologies of the time and made a short gramophone recording of life inside her pharmacy at Christmas time, 1888. Astonishingly, this early recording has been unearthed in our archives. Commercial gramophones only became available the previous year, so this really is a remarkable and unlikely discovery. So sit back and listen to a slice of history from Christmas, 1888. Hello? Hello? Is it gramophonically recorderising? My name is Fanny Elizabeth Potter, and I'm speaking to you from the year 1888 in my premises in Fleckney, near Leicester. I am... What? Oh, dash it all. That's cold out there. Good afternoon and Merry Christmas, madam. Uh, yes, good afternoon, sir, and welcome to this establishment. How can I help you this Christmas Eve? A most excellent question indeed, madam. Indeed. You are a druggist, are you not? I am a registered chemist and druggist with the Pharmaceutical Society of Great Britain. You, madam? You're certain? A woman? You are correct upon both counts, sir. Well, I never, huh? Well, I... By Swindon! What the devil is that monstrosity? Sir, are you quite all right? Madam, you have a dragon upon your ceiling. A dragon, madam! Either that or I need to cut down upon the laudanum. We do have laudanum, sir, if you're in need. But you're not mistaken about our dragon, or rather our crocodile. You'll find crocodiles suspended from the ceilings of many pharmaceutical establishments. Although admittedly not an immediately obvious symbol of pharmacy, it is a surprisingly common one. Dear God, woman, what does a crocodile have to do with pharmacy? Well, as I'm sure an educated gentleman like yourself knows, in the last century or so, people have been travelling far and wide, collecting medicinal plants, animal matter and minerals, often based on the knowledge of indigenous people. And the more exotic the medicine, the more popular the pharmacist. So, our crocodile shows that we have access to exotic materials. Mm, that sounds vaguely plausible, I suppose. It does indeed, sir, doesn't it? Of course, there's also a link to the magical. Crocodiles look a little like the mythical wyvern, a type of dragon that is also a symbol of disease. You'll see an image of it upon the coat of arms of the Worshipful Society of Apothecaries. So it is a magical dragon. Do you recommend the use of magic in your cures, madam? Indeed I do not, sir. It's just a bit of fun. No doubt in 150 years you'll see our poor crocodile relegated to some museum of pharmacy, and the modern apothecaries will laugh at our silliness. We can but hope that Mistress Science vanquishes such foolishness. Now, to business. When passing your establishment, my eye was attracted by the gaudy and ostentatious display of Christmas goods and gifts in your window. That's right, sir. Apparently it's all the rage. The latest chemist and druggist has an article about designing just such a modern display. 
and we're nothing if not a modern store, sir. Did you like the use of cotton wool to imitate falling snow and to create a festive atmosphere? Is that what it was? For sure. I thought a mad dog had miniature stocks of cotton. Chemist and druggist says it's all the rage in that London, sir, and many customers have enjoyed our Christmas display. Do you need anything for Christmas, sir? We have a wide selection of toilet requisites, culinary necessities, and Christmas presents. Madam, I am here on a mission of some urgency. With Christmas almost upon us, I find myself concerned that my household does not suffer an epidemic of indigestion as I did the previous Yuletide. Do you have anything that may assist? Do we, sir? Well, yes. Do you? My apologies, sir. I was employing some of the parlance of the modern young gentleman, such as yourself. Do I look to you like one of those dreadful modern gentlemen, madam? Do you see me draped in the tawdry, shrieking accoutrements of Mr. Wilde? Indeed not, sir. Your subdued tweed coat and respectably muted trousers are the height of mature and sensible dress, sir. There is not a single whiff of fashion about you. Quite so. Now, indigestion cures, madam. Do you have any? Are you even too obsessed with your fripperies and fashion? Sir, we have a fine selection of all the very best and latest advances in indigestion treatment available to humanity. How about this one? Morton's chamomile pills? I think not. I find chamomile too soporific. Then perhaps this? Alan's peptonic acidulated digestive powder. No, no, I struggle with the powder. This one? Cavania's liver and nervine pills. Sounds foreign. Do you have anything more British in origin? Hmm, this one? Clayton's restorative pills. No. What about this? Cockle's compound antibilious pills. Oh, I dislike a compound. This one? Eno's family stomachic vegetable antibilious pills. No, I also dislike vegetables. These are very popular. Dr. Fleming's quinine and camphor pills. Well, I know a Dr. Fleming. The man's a quack. Perhaps these. Whole droid celebrated stomach and liver, but oh, liver, oh. The knees? Hood's vegetable pills. No vegetables, I said. Hood's vegetable pills. These? Hood's family pills. No, I'm a bachelor gentleman, madam. And these? Lowe's pills. I, um, I hear bad things about Mr. Lowe. And these? Dr. Marsden's pills. Never heard of him. Nope. These? Frampton's Pill of Health. Just the one? No. These? Wait and see liver pills. I don't have all day. No. Also, liver. What about these, sir? Warner's Safe Pills. They sound marvellous. I'll take them. An excellent choice, sir. But first, do you suffer from spasms, softening of the brain, bad blood, black pox, bloody flux, bone shave, hectical complaint, dropsy, quincy, screws, bronze john, or dry belly ache at all? Huh? Well, why do you ask? We have to ask, sir. In case of secondary complaints and side effects, warners are also good for curing headaches, diarrhea, nausea, but the word of warning, sir, they can at times cause some loosening of the stool. No, no, none of the above, just the indigestion. I've learned too much sherry, and that fries chocolate for eating. Damn tasty stuff. Have you tried it? I have, sir. And we have it in stock especially for Christmas. Would you like some to go with your Warner's safety pills? Well, since I have your prophylactic protection of Mr. Warner, I suppose a little of a Mr. Fry's eating chocolate couldn't do any harm, could it? Indeed not, sir. 
Although if you do find that worn has caused too much loosening of the stool, or as those obfuscating physicians are calling it now, sir, diarrhoea, you could do worse than take some of these. What are these shriveled scarlet drops? I sir, they're holly berries, good for the diarrhoea. Well, I, I know it's almost Christmas, but holly berries? Are you sure? Holly berries? This is the 19th century, it's not the Dark Ages. Is there no proper equivalent pharmaceutical treatment such as Mr. Warner's safe pills? At least we know Mr. Warner's pills are safe, but this holly could poison me, could it not? Oh, sir, you are funny. Proprietary medicines don't have to publish their secret remedies. There could be anything in that bottle of Mr. Warner's pills. What? 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 <laughs> I've said too much. I I'm jesting with you, sir. Of course, all those pills are completely safe and efficacious. None of them would add anything harmful or unnecessary to their products, even though there's no one to check if they are or not. Good Lord, could you imagine if there was some sort of ministry or agency that had to test all medicines and pronounce upon their effectiveness, sir? Where would we be in that case, sir? No, you may be quite certain that all of these remedies are quite safe and efficacious, sir. We have the word of their maker, and a gentleman's word is always sufficient for me. <coughs> oh dear, sir, that's a nasty cough you have there. Perhaps some of Alan's cocaine and diamorphine pastels for sore throats will help. Alan's cocaine and diamorphine pastels, madam? Are they safe? Are they scientific? Are they tested? Certainly, sir. Guaranteed safe and 100% efficacious for helping your throat. In fact, they're so efficacious that many of my customers swear by them, even if they don't have a sore throat. Always coming back for more they are. That's the power of these new modern medicines such as cocaine and diamorphine, sir. Better living through chemistry, sir. And yet you still recommend holly as a remedy, madam. I suppose. <laughs> of all the trees that are in the wood, the holly bears the crown, does it? Hmm? Hair? Um, well, uh... We, we don't sell crowns, sir, I'm afraid. It's mostly something for our more mature customers. They do like the old folk remedies, but the humble holly bush does provide us pharmacists with so many weapons in the fight against maladies. For example, the berries, if taken dried, can help with your diarrhoea, sir, and are good for expelling wind. Eaten ripe, they'll help bring up phlegm. The bark and leaves help with uh, setting broken bones. And, sir, the branches help protect against witchcraft, if that's something that's troubling you, sir. Although we don't really recommend it. Witchcraft, that is, sir. We don't recommend witchcraft. Not in this modern day and age of hard pharmaceutical science. That said, sir, I do have an aunt who might know someone who could help you with that sort of thing. If the holly doesn't deliver. Madam! Witchcraft? In 1888? In England? Quite right, sir. Us pharmacists are no friend to the metaphysical community. Next you will be telling me Ivy is also a valued friend to the medical community. Funny you should say that about the ivy, sir, for just as with the holly, there is still some as swear by its benefits. As an example, for aches in your side, you can boil the leaves in vinegar. Madam, the only aches in my side I'm likely to suffer from should be caused by laughing at this balderdash. But, um, might they also help with diarrhoea? Indeed, sir. A handful of flowers, when drunk with wine, can help with the diarrhoea. The berries can be used as a treatment against plague, or if picked when yellow, can treat jaundice. But, sir, diarrhoea, you say? Tell me more. Well, sir. We hope you've enjoyed this remarkable gramophone recording. While the recording itself is not real, the topics discussed were. Fanny Potter was a real person and was the first woman to register with the Society in 1869.
She had worked with her father, which is how she gained her pharmacy experience to pass the exams needed to register. Crocodiles were also a common symbol of pharmacy. We have a few examples in the collection of their use in pharmacy shops and as mascots, as well as our own taxidermy Nile crocodile on display. Victorian pharmacists did discuss the best ways to dress their windows for Christmas in issues of The Chemist and Druggist, including the use of cotton wool to replicate snow. Many of our Christmas traditions date back to the Victorians. In the 1860s, fries were advertising their chocolate for eating, as opposed to drinking chocolate, as a way of decorating their Christmas tree. Holly berries were recommended for indigestion by Nicholas Culpepper in his Complete Herbal, although he was writing a little earlier, the work was published in 1653. Proprietary medicines were able to keep their ingredients secret. In fact, it was often the boasted secret remedy that made them popular. With exaggerated claims of their effectiveness, they often only contained laxatives in order to make those who took them think they were working. Drugs that are illegal today were often much more accessible before the 20th century. It wasn't really until the Dangerous Drugs Act of 1920 that the sale or production of substances like cocaine and diamorphine, i.e. heroin, came under strict control. You can now take a look at some of the items mentioned, as well as others in our collection, on our new museum website. You can browse through a range of objects or take a look at our online exhibitions. Visit the museum webpage at museum.rfarms, that's R-P-H-A-R-M-S dot com, museum.rfarms.com. We're also hoping to make more of our oral history recordings available. They're real recordings with real pharmacists, so do watch this space. And we're looking forward to being able to welcome you back to the museum in the new year. So do keep an eye on our website for the most up-to-date visit information at museum.rfarms.com. Until then, wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to the new RPS Pharmacy podcast out every other Friday. Don't forget to get involved and have your say using the hashtag RPS Pharmacy. See you in two weeks' time. Mm-hmm.